Let's quickly turn in our Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, and there's also a little sermon notes page, and it has a couple of other passages as well printed out for you, uh, and some other uh, material on one side. On the second side, you'll see a quick little outline for uh, this afternoon. Paul tells us in 1 Timothy chapter number 1, and especially at verse 11 is what we want to uh, just think about for a few minutes this afternoon. Uh, but uh, we'll read a couple of verses ahead of that. He says uh, this to us, beginning at verse number 8. 1 Timothy 1, 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, uh, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, with which I have been entrusted. Let's pray together. We pray, Lord, this afternoon that we would think uh, about you rightly as the blessed God, that we would know a little bit more of what it means that you are a God of blessedness and that we would know you uh, by knowing this, uh, this word, this idea, this concept, this doctrine, that we would know you, uh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So enlighten our minds and fill our hearts with your love and help us to praise you with our lips, with our lives this coming week. We ask it all in Jesus' name and all of God's people say, Amen. Uh, well, there's, there's actually some research uh, that you're probably aware of that says, uh, for those of us who are getting a little bit up there in years, that uh, learning a new language actually helps to keep off uh, the aging process. You heard that before? <laughs> yeah, it's actually uh, scientific research uh, that shows the effects of uh, learning a new language uh, when you're getting older uh, and the effects of that on basically your brain activity um, and that which leads to the aging process so memory and uh, just vitality and and sort of uh, you know stick to itiveness and continuing to to press on in the in the in the cause of life uh, learning a new language or at least maybe trying to learn uh, some vocabulary at least of a new language helps us helps us uh, in our in our lives it helps us uh, to not feel old. It helps us not to age. It helps us to have a reason uh, to live. It just helps our brains uh, to keep growing. Our brain's a muscle, right? And so uh, in, in, there's lots of electricity and lots of uh, action going on. You've got to keep those uh, synapses firing uh, or else old age sets in. So it's important for us to, to try to uh, keep learning as we get older uh, and even learning language. I mention that because uh, this, this, uh, uh, this word, blessedness, uh, it's a part of, uh, of Christian vocabulary, theology, uh, that we may not be familiar with. And so, as it's important for us to learn uh, human language, uh, for us to not uh, feel old and, you know, maybe uh, prematurely kind of give up the ghost, as we used to say, uh, we want to learn theology. We want to learn the language about God, uh, who he is. And so, we've been thinking about some of the aspects of who he is and, and, and what he does and why he is who he is, and how it's important for us. And this afternoon, I want us to think about this 
uh, vocabulary word for God, another word uh, 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 in our Christian vocabulary, blessedness. God is the blessed God. Uh, Fred Sanders, who's a professor at Biola, just up the freeway, uh, he says of divine blessedness, uh, quote, don't be alarmed if you haven't heard much teaching or preaching on the blessedness of God. It has fallen so far out of fashion that even the basic vocabulary of it has come to sound quaint and foreign to our modern ears. So maybe you've never thought about God as blessed. I mean, we say blessed be God, right? But what about God himself being the blessed God? And so it's important for us to learn this as a new vocabulary word, perhaps, uh, to expand our minds into new topics and, and to learn this language and these ideas about God so that we can know God. Right? That's what theology is about. Theology, uh, we can turn it into something that's like in, a, in an ivory tower, right? It's stale, it's boring, uh, it's very precise and so forth, uh, pristine. But it's meant to teach us to know God, right? The, the God uh, of theology, the God who even might, might be behind the theology. So uh, here, Paul then, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number Uh, 11, when he's describing the law and he's describing the purpose of the law, he he says all these things, he says, in accordance with the gospel, and he he describes the gospel here, maybe again in a a new way that we've not really reflected upon much lately, uh, the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, the gospel of the glory of the blessed or the blessed God. God. So God is the blessed God. That's the next thing for us to think about uh, in these afternoon sermons uh, about God, who God is. He's the blessed God. That's what Paul tells us here uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 11. Uh, and we see El- uh, as well on that little sermon notes page a couple other verses. This is not uh, the most often way of describing God, but a couple of times here and there. Uh, later on in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 15, Paul says, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, describing God here. He's the blessed, right? He's the blessed God, the only sovereign, the king of kings, Lord of lords. He says, uh, Paul does in Romans 9, verse 15, to them, the Jewish people, belong the patriarchs, uh, and from their race, according to the flesh, is the Christ, the Messiah, right? the, the anointed promised Savior, who is God overall blessed forever. God is blessed. God is the blessed God. Uh, and again, 2 Corinthians chapter one, uh, chapter 11, excuse me, verse 31, the God, he talks about the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that phrase. Who, uh, he who is blessed forever. So, so we talk about ourselves being blessed. Uh, Jesus, of course, in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the peacemakers, right? For they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. So we think of blessedness as a thing that we have. Psalm 1 from the Old Testament. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, uh, sit in the seat of scorners, and so forth. Right? We think of blessedness and, and blessing as a thing for ourselves to experience. But these passages tell us that God, God is the blessed God. But what does that mean? I mean, when we think about ourselves being blessed, we might think of happiness, right? We might think of 
uh, things are going well, right? If I ask you, you know, how are you doing? And you say, I'm blessed. Well, I'm going to assume that means you're, you know, you're doing okay. You're, you're feeling blessed. You're, you're feeling happy. You, you know, maybe you know that life is difficult, but you're experiencing God's good providence uh, through life. But what about God? When we say God is the blessed God, what are we saying about him? Uh, there was a great uh, Presbyterian uh, theologian, Puritan, uh, in the 17th century. His name was Thomas Manton. And uh, he, he has a sermon on this, uh, on Psalm 119, where it talks about uh, praying that God would, uh, God who is the blessed God would bless us. And he describes it, I won't give you the quote, it's, it's too long, but what does it mean that God is blessed? Here, here are some little aspects of it. First of all, it means uh, that, 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 that from himself, from God, if you, if you can imagine that, from himself, but also in himself. He's free from all misery. Right? So if we talk about, humanly speaking, you know, uh, I'm feeling blessed. You know, I'm not feeling sad. I'm not feeling miserable. I'm not feeling, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a disease, perhaps. I don't have an injury. So, you know, I'm feeling okay. So God, from himself, in himself, he's free from all misery. And, Manton goes on to say, he also, it's not just that he's free from misery, but that he in himself is enjoying all good. He's enjoying all good. Again, these, these are human ways of describing God, right? So we've got to keep that in mind. It also means, he goes on to say, that, that he is sufficient in himself. He's sufficient in himself. And he's content in himself. He needs nothing from creatures. It's a lot to say, but basically it means that God is God, right? Blessedness is God being all that he is, and all that he is is what it means for him to be God. He's blessed in himself, from himself. He needs nothing outside of himself. Himself also mysteriously being themselves, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the, the, our, our one triune God. That, uh, that amongst as we would describe the life of God as the one God in three distinct persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, that they, that he, the one God in three, is free from all misery, enjoying all good, because God is good. God is love. God is gracious, and so forth. That he's sufficient in himself. That God doesn't need anything to make him God. God doesn't need anything outside of himself or themselves, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the three persons, to make them more God, to make them more happy, more blessed, more enjoying, uh, more good, more love than God already is. And so he's content in himself. There's a Latin term for that. It's aseitas or aseity. God is sufficient in himself. Uh, God needs nothing, right? He's the creator, we're the creature. He didn't make us to make him more. He didn't make us to make him more happy, to make him more blessed. We'll come to that in just a second here. But. So, so God is God. God is. And God is sufficient. He is content. He is enjoying amongst the fathers and the Holy Spirit. Uh, uh, there is enjoyment. There is freeness from all misery. God is love. God is love. So, all that he is is God, and all that God is is all that he is, and he enjoys himself. He enjoys all that. 
One writer said, it's a great, uh, this is a great uh, uh, deep, it's a dazzling, bright abyss that we can look into only with a uh, shaded eye. We can only see God sort of with, 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 those, with, with, with shades on, right? We can only get a glimpse of, the, of one beam that comes to us. When we talk about God, we can describe him as the word describes him, but, but we know describing God is like looking when we look out sometimes and we see the cloud and, and we know the sun's behind the cloud, but we can see those beams of light and it's really a, a glorious thing. It's sometimes you're driving from my house down to the beach and going down 76 and you can see lots of clouds out there, but there's like little beams of light. It looks like one light beam is just coming down, hitting the water, right? It's a, it's a beautiful, uh, glorious sight. We know that God... Right? God is, and we know that, that he's there, but we can only see a little glimpse, just a little beam, just one ray of who he is. And for us to try to describe God or, 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 to, or to explain God, as this writer says, it's like, like being in an abyss, right? A, a deep part of the ocean that we can only look at him sort of with shades on our eyes. This helps us to know God. This helps us to know him a little bit more, to know a little bit more of what it means that God is Trinity, that God is triune. God is love, as the Bible says to us. God is love. And in that love, he, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, love one another with a satisfying love, with a sufficient love. And they are each, the person's content with one another's love. They don't need to be loved by us. The, 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 the true God of the Bible is not like uh, the gods of, uh, of, of, of the ancient Near East. They're not the gods of the Greeks that create human beings so that the gods can eat. That's why they created human beings, was to offer up animal sacrifices to, so that the gods could eat. That's the only way they could get food. That's not really a god, is it? A God that needs cre- uh, uh, cre- creatures, cre- creation, how can that be God? It's not, right? It's an idol. It's false God. The true God is love. The true God is content, is satisfied, needs nothing, enjoys one another, loves one another as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is content with one another. Now, that's a lot to say, but when Paul says here, when Paul says here that uh, that the gospel is the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. That leads us to a second point. So this God who is blessed, who, who has all that it is to be God, sufficient, content, enjoying all that, leads us to something else. The, the blessed God blesses us. Notice when he, he describes the gospel as the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. The gospel is a thing that's in reference to us. So the blessed God blesses us with the good news. The gospel. So we reread from Ephesians 1. and just want to turn back there for a quick moment. You'll, you'll see how Paul, uh, when he's praising God, uh, he's using vocabulary in all kinds of different ways. And he, he uses uh, this, the, the root word for bless here three times in three different ways in verse 3, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father, right? So this is us blessing God. 
Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Right? There's the verb. He has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So what a statement this is. To say that the gospel is the gospel, the good news, the message to us of this blessed God. And that we can bless him because he has blessed us. The blessed God is the God who blesses us. Blessed us. Think about that. The God that I just described as needing nothing beyond himself, being content, full of love, enjoying all that it is to be God as Father and Holy Spirit from all of eternity. That God, who doesn't need anything, blesses us. Blesses us. Thomas Manton again said, this is the happiness of God, that he gives to all and receives from none. He gives to all, but he receives from none. This is the happiness of God, Manton says. And by happiness, he means the blessedness of God. It's better to give than to receive, isn't it? Didn't the apostle tell us that in the, in, in the book of Acts? That, that Jesus said, don't forget what Jesus said, the apostle Paul says. It's interesting that, that that phrase never occurs in the Gospels. But Paul recounts it. Jesus taught us, his disciples, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Why did Jesus say that? It's more blessed to give than to receive. Because Jesus, as God, knows what, what, what that means. <laughs> he knows that means. As the Son of God, he knows what it means. It's more blessed to give because God gives than it is to receive. He doesn't need to receive anything from us. And so we can give knowing it's more blessed to give than receive because we're trying as best we can as creatures, as human beings, to, to do what God does. To bless, to give, because that's what God does. This is the happiness of God, again, Manton said, that he, that he, God, gives to all, receives from none. Uh, so kids, wh- why do your parents love you? Kids, why do your parents love you? Why did your mom carry you around in her womb, in her, in her tummy, for, for around nine months? Why did she do that? Why did she do that? Why did she go through all the pain of having a baby? And not just moms, but also, what, also what about dads? Why, why did we change your diapers? Why did we feed you when you were little and helpless? Why did we change your clothes for you? I mean, the clothes are on the, on, on the, on the, uh, uh, in the closet. They're hanging on, on uh, clothes hangers. They're in the drawers, nice and, uh, uh, nice and folded. I mean, why, why did we need to, to put clothes on you? Why did we play with you? Why did we read stories to you? Why did we take you to go do cool things? Like I mentioned Legoland or SeaWorld, you know? So, so, so why did your parents do all that? It's because they loved you. Because we love you. Right? That's why parents do that. Does a parent expect to get anything back in return from a helpless little baby who can't even say thank you? No. Parents love, and moms go through all that, especially moms, uh, because they love. Right? Because they love. Did God need to create you? 
Kids, did God need to create the world? No, he didn't need to. Did God need to, when he put Adam in the garden and Eve in the garden and they sinned, did God need to then make a plan to save them from their sins? No, no. I mean, he could have just let them die, right? Did God need to send Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, to save you from your sins? Did Jesus, did, they need, did God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit need to undergo that plan to save you? So why did God do all this? Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to. Because he wanted to share life. That's why he created us. And when we messed it all up, he wanted to share new life. That's why he made the plan of redemption. And that's when we still mess up our lives. We make a mess of what God has given to us. God still, by the power of his Holy Spirit, still gives us new life. The blessed God. The blessed God blesses us, blesses us with every single spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And so God is the blessed God. God is the happy God. He needs nothing. He's content. He's joyful. He's in, he enjoys all that he is. But yet, but yet he decided to create and to redeem and to constantly bless us daily with everything we have. The psalmist says that he daily loads us with benefits. Psalm 68 says he daily loads us with benefits. Why? Because that's what God does. It's better to give than to receive. And therefore, we bless him. Therefore, we bless him. That's back to Ephesians 1. That's why Paul is saying all this. Blessed be, right? That's us saying this. We bless God, the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ, because he's blessed us in Christ with every single spiritual blessing. And so we bless in return. And he says here multiple times, this little refrain, to the praise of his glorious grace. Over and over and over again. And then Paul goes on to pray in, the, in, in chapter 1, chapter 3 as well. He prays, he blesses God. So God, who is blessed, who needs nothing, who has made you and who's redeemed you and who's blessed you with every single thing that you will ever need, therefore you bless him in return. Now, does God need your blessing? This is, why, this is why this language is really interesting, right? Because, again, the Bible most often than not speaks about us being blessed or God blessing us. Again, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are those and blessed are they and so forth. The blessed man, Psalm 1. God blessing us with every single spiritual blessing. So, that, so does, does God need us to bless him? He blesses us, but does God need us to bless him? No? He doesn't need it, does he? Does it make God more happy when we, when we praise him? I mean, we might say, you know, as much as we can say as human beings, as God, it doesn't make him more happy, but we can speak of God in, in a more human way, in a, in a sort of anthropological way, and say, yeah, it's, it's better for us right, to praise God it makes God happy when we, when we serve him and so forth. But in his essence, in who he is, right, behind that cloud, that we can, we can just see a little glimpse of. No, our praise doesn't make God more happy, more blessed, uh, more satisfied, more content, more God. No, it doesn't. So why do we do it? So why do we bless God? 
Why do we praise God? Why do we pray? Why do we sing? Why do we give our lives as living sacrifices if it doesn't do anything to God? Why? Why? Why bless God? Why praise God? Yeah, it's for our benefit, isn't it? Now, he's worthy of it, and so that's why we do it. But it's for us. It's for us. It's for our benefit. It's sort of, uh, think about when we pray the Lord's Prayer. We pray, uh, thy will be done, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That that thy will be done reminds us of... uh, of what Jesus prayed. You know, not my will, but yours be done. Right? It's, it's for our good that we pray that way. Not that we're going to change God's will or God's mind changes. We put, our, put his arm on his back and we, you know, we pull his ear, you know, you got you to listen to me. You, you really got to do this for me. It's for us. It's for our benefit. Lord, help me to want to will what you will. Help me to bend my will towards yours. Help me to, to, to humble myself in front of you. And so we bless God because he's worthy of it and it's, it's for our benefit so that we, we give ourselves to him and we acknowledge all the benefits, all the blessings that he gives us. So God is the blessed God. God's the blessed God. He blesses us. He blesses us of all people, of all things and we bless him in return. And so this infinitely and eternally blessed God who's happy in himself, who needs nothing more to make him more happy, more satisfied, more God, has blessed you. Dust, right? Creature. Nothing, right? We're like nothing. But he's blessed you with every single spiritual blessing so that you can be happy So that you can be blessed. So that you would know that you need nothing more besides him. Doesn't Paul go on to say, I think it's in 1 Timothy as well. He says, uh, with food and drink, like with these, we're going to be content. That's what what our life is like. It's just with food and with some clothing. I think he says with food and clothing, with these we'll be content. Just the basic necessities of life. Because why? Because we're content in the Lord. We have all that we need. And so this eternally and infinitely blessed God who who blesses us with everything that we will ever need, therefore bless him. Therefore bless him with how you think, with how you speak, with how you act. In class, in school this week, on the court, in the field, playground, whatever it is, in your job, in whatever relationship, you have, and maybe those that are more of a struggle than others, in every little sort of little nook and cranny of your life, bless him because he's blessed you, this great and glorious blessed God. And so again, Paul, in the context, interestingly, of the law, he says that the gospel is the gospel of the glory of the blessed God. And let's know this great God and love him. Give our lives for his service. Let's pray.